The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with us. And thank you, as I always like to say, for being an intentional spirit. We can never have too many of you out there in the field making a difference and following through on your goals and your visions. I think that's the secret. I I like to talk about having a follow-through degree that it's one thing to set new standards and new goals and resolutions and all those kind of things. It's another to follow through with them and be intentional that no matter what else is going on in your life, that you make time to put those very important big rocks in. Well, speaking of that today, I know that every now and then um, you give me feedback that you want to hear about various things that I'm up to or what's going on or you want to hear more about the intentional show of the intentional show. So I'm very pleased to say that today interviewing me is our very own Diane Ray. She is the uh, program developer of Unity Online Radio and she is just really doing an amazing job with our radio's uh, online ministries, and we're just so pleased. So thank you, Diane, for being on the show, and thank you for uh, agreeing to do this with me. Well, thank you for asking, Temple. You know, this all kind of came together quickly yesterday, and I was uh, so honored that you asked because when I first took this position um, a year ago, I I came over to, you know, kind of help reboot the network and uh, relaunch the website. And there's so many great plans for the future for Unity Online Radio. And everybody was telling me, you have to talk to Temple Hayes. So now I finally get a chance to, I mean, we've had other conversations, um, you know, leading up to this, of course, but just to be able to talk to you on the air, you know, if, if you don't know listeners out there, I mean, Temple is a real powerhouse in the Unity movement. And when I first came on board with Unity, I mean, honestly, I wasn't a quote, you know, Unity person, like I didn't come from um, a Unity background. I had been working at Hay House Publishing. I was familiar with a lot of uh, authors and speakers that came through Unity, and I always loved the principles, but I really didn't know a lot about the movement. So this is really an opportunity for me to get some education, too, from Temple, because she's just such a force in the unity movement. So uh, can I Aww, give, can I give everybody you. your bio? <laughs> you know, you have a Wikipedia page. I mean, I'm so impressed. I don't have a Wikipedia page. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> so I went on your Wikipedia page because I wanted to learn a little bit more about you. So I don't know if your listeners know your full background. I mean, of course, they know you're an ordained unity minister and the CEO and senior minister of First Unity Spiritual Campus in St. Petersburg in my home state of Florida. Yay, representing uh, for me down there. And, and you're I also a member that. of the. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Fort Lauderdale originally. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, 
I get down there a lot. And Fort Lauderdale is just kind of a, a skip and a, a jump away from St. Petersburg uh, over on the other side. And I love going to St. Pete. There's an amazing um, Salvador Dali museum there and beautiful beaches and, and temple. And now that I know that your church is there, the next time I go home to visit, I got to pop up there and, and see what's going on. But I want to no, share let some me more. Know. We'll uh, roll out the red carpet and we'll do a big thing about the uh, radio show. That'd be oh, great. That would be amazing. Uh, people might not know that you're a member of the Leadership Council of Association for Global New Thought, and also you're active in three international nonprofits. I didn't know about this. You founded Life Rights, a Peace Through People initiative, the Sophie Project, a worldwide rescue plan for companion animals and global peace workers, which focuses on Peace Through People initiative. And also you're an author. And I didn't know that you had written a couple of books, including the critically acclaimed, When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. It's something we definitely need to do is start waking up. And you also recently received the People of Distinction Humanitarian Award in D.C. So congratulations on that. I mean, you've had so many amazing Thank accomplishments. You. But you know what people might not be aware of, and I found this out on, on Wikipedia, is that you're a former softball star, and you began playing softball at the age of 10, and 17 years later, you had a batting average of 686? That's, That's amazing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. And you were nominated as an All-American and elected to the National Softball Hall of Fame in 1979. Now, that's pretty cool. I, I love Aww, softball. I used you. to play when I was younger. So do you still play for fun? I don't. I, don't. I, I, I take Aww. on uh, what Beverly Sills said, IDTA. I did that already. You know, um, <laughs> in that I played. I was very committed, and it requires commitment to play at that level and to be that skilled. But when I, you know, hung up my glove, I, I did it because I, I knew what it would take to stay at that level. And that was one thing that I wanted to finish out when I was, you know, at the top of the game, so to speak. Now, where I continue to use that skill set all the time now in softball, I still draw from that experience of in life. It's the same way. It doesn't really matter how great someone is or what skill set you have if the other eight people aren't joining you and accentuating some of those gifts and talents. So teamwork is key. Um, it's important for everybody to feel just as empowered and equal. So that in that way, yes, I still play softball every day <laughs> over here at the campus. I, I look at the team I have and the people that I count on and that we count on each other. And so in that way, I've, I've always continued to play. I'll tell you something else you might find very interesting, Diane, that um, and I don't really know. Well, yes, I do know how I knew this when I was uh, 11 or 12 years old. Intuitively, I knew that there would be um, a tremendous gift if I would be willing to walk the outside uh, parameters of the ball field. And I just, this was before Shakti Gawain on, you know, creative visualization and all that. I just knew to do that. And I walked the field. And as I walked the field, it became smaller energetically. And so I used to go up to bat, you know, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, after I'd walked the field so many times before people came. And I would point to the outfield. And I would kind of flip, 
you know, people out because they would go, you better get ready. This is going out of the fence. And it actually did um, because it was just small to me. So to date, everywhere I go, wherever I speak, I walk the external of a sanctuary lecture hall facility to have that same kind of impact. So I can feel that I'm right sitting in the back of the person in the back of the room, even though I'm not, I'm up on stage. So anyway, uh, a lot of information, but uh, just to elaborate on how one uh, part of your life can continue on with many different chapters of your life. That's interesting because because I was going to ask you what are the some of the things that you might have learned from uh, being on a team, but what you're describing kind of sounds like you were walking a labyrinth almost, but mm -hmm. not maybe not knowing what that was at that time. Exactly, exactly. Well, there's something about when you walk an area, you know, it just becomes smaller to you energetically. So it's very very powerful. But yeah, those were those were great times, and they still continue and in different ways. So many great lessons to be learned from sports. I love watching that show Real Sports on HBO. They always show some inspirational story that people get from being on a team. So I love that metaphor. Now, when I was doing some other research yesterday and, and looking things up online, and uh, it said that you come from a Southern Baptist background. Now, I've also been listening to some of your talks that you do at the church. And I have to say, I, I can totally see where you could maybe be behind the pulpit of a big Southern Baptist church. I mean, your <laughs> your speaking style is, is so powerful. And people, you can hear the audience in the background. They're like, yes, yeah, you know, responding to you <laughs> as you're speaking. So you really get this great feeling. Um, you know, when you're listening, and this was just in some of the talks that, uh, that you had sent me. So I'm just wondering what, what was that like, you know, growing up in that Southern Baptist background and you're from the Carolinas originally, is that right? Yeah, I'm from the Carolinas. <clears throat> I was born and raised in a small town, Anderson, South Carolina. My grandfather, his name is John Temple. And I actually, uh, obviously that's where I got my name because people asked me, did I change my name? And I, you know, no, um, it was birth given to me. But the other part is my grandfather was uh, Deacon Emeritus. We actually had Johnny Hayes Day at the uh, Baptist church that we were all members of because he had served his church so boldly and so bravely. And coming from my heritage, I had like a great, great grandfather, Baxter Hayes, that was a very su successful minister in the, in the Carolinas. For me, um, you know, I definitely, I mean, I used to say I was a recovered Baptist, um, you know, and I kind of used that uh, for years, but I, I stopped doing that because what I, I guess my, my major takeaway is a, a hopefully a more mature adult is that what I honored about my grandparents is that they they had tremendous faith and they would walk with their faith no matter what it would cost them and no matter how people judge them or does it, does it, the decisions that they would be required to, to make. Um, being a Southern Baptist was very difficult for me because when I was a teenager already questioning my spirituality, I was also questioning my sexuality. And so for your grandmother, when you went from being her favorite little granddaughter that she put bows in your hair to her telling you that she was sorry she wasn't going to see you in heaven, um, and that was very disappointing to her because you were going to go to hell because you were a homosexual, 
that's a lot to take. So um, it was very hard to grasp, you know, a place and a community and a group of people that on that defining day that they could no longer love me in the way that they did the day before, you know, they had that new information. So I, I never really resonated with it that much, but as I, as I say, you know, through years of just life and experience and, and I even knew then, I, I, I don't know how that core was established, I guess, because I started talking to spirit when I was a little girl. Um, I, I knew that it was their faith that was supporting them and making the decision, not really. I knew that in order for them to accept me as fully out who I wanted to be, that they would have to walk away from their faith. And it was just too much. So I came from a culture where, where people were very committed at all costs to say, this is what we believe and sorry, you don't fit into that. So it was a blessing in that way. It was a curse in the the turmoil that it put my family through and, you know, early on. So there you go. It must've been so painful <laughs> for you. Yeah. I mean, I, and especially at that time, I mean, things have definitely become a lot more accepting, although I think we still have uh, a long way to go. I mean, things have got, have gotten a little bit better, but, you know, especially at that time. So you, I mean, we're talking like 60s, 70s, Mm -hmm. you know that that yeah. era so in the, in, in the in the well it would be yes just going into the 70s yeah because I was born in 58 so it was just around uh, 70 71 mm -hmm. and but you're right I, I mean I, I think that now I think that there are still um, you know a, a lot of people that will say oh I'm accepting of gay people you know I'm not a racist um but it, it seems to be it, it's OK to say that unless it actually uh, applies uh, to someone very close to you. <laughs> and then it, you know, right. can be like a, a double standard. But there's no doubt about it. Since 1971, we've we've certainly come a long way. But in that area, you know, women, um, because of the the deep rooted Southern Baptists and of course, I don't check in with them because, you know, I'm. I'm, I'm wanting to spread my faith of new thought, of unity and science of mind. So I, you know, on a Sunday that I'm not there, I'm either in another a, another new thought community or I'm I'm taking a time out. But then, even then, with that, if you were a woman as a uh, spiritual leader, they automatically summed up, "Uh oh, wrong road, wrong direction. You're not for us. Uh oh, we're going. You know, you're going to hell because you can't be doing this because you obviously are not living in the harmony of the Baptist." My mom introduced me to the minister there in the Carolinas many years after I had, you know, then become a New Thought minister. And when she said, "Oh, this is my daughter, and she's a minister," he said, "Well, that can't be possible." <laughs> Wow. That's so, okay. And what what do you think sharing. about that whole that <laughs> whole concept on. though? You know, let's you know, talk about the weather or something you might not might deem more important. <laughs> right? And just kind of just being so dismissive, you know, and just dis yes. dismissing of you that. So so not even just, you know, your sexual orientation just being a woman, you know, at at that time and moving in that direction you know, must have been a big challenge. I mean, what do you think about that whole concept, you know, where they frighten people with the the possibility of hell? I mean, do you even think that there's a hell? 
Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, and um, is are there people that every day feel like they're living in a state of consciousness or a state of awareness when they really live from the place that everything and everyone is against me? I would imagine that would that would be a sense of hell on earth, but hell's not a place of real estate to me at all. Uh, absolutely not. Now, for me, what I would say is, um, you know, that model is almost used as a fear-based parenting model, just in a different, a different way. And we, you just don't see it work. I mean, I, for me, the way I look at it is how can you totally believe in something that you're frightened and afraid of. And so your personality and my psychology would go, we may be able to, to put a little bit into it, but for the most part, not because fear, in my opinion, has never been long-term a lasting motivational factor that would integrate permanent change within anyone. It doesn't seem to work. I mean, you know, you could look at the death penalty and the threat of that for years and people are still doing horrible things and that doesn't seem to to stop anybody. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. Of that fear. So yeah, it just it just doesn't seem to work. But I was always just that concept. I mean, I I grew up Catholic. And so there were, you know, thoughts and, and threats of hell, you know, growing up. But I mean, particularly in from a Southern Baptist background, I remember when I was younger, and there was a like a, a church camp that the kids would go to. And I think my mother just kind of put me in there as something to do, you know, to kind of get us kids out of her hair. And that whole story of the rapture and, you know, what happens if God comes back and you're left behind. And I remember hearing that message at like nine or 10. And I was terrified. I had nightmares after that of, you know, devils and pitchforks and that kind of thing. Um, and that ultimately what that did was kind of draw me away from embracing any kind of spirituality. So I'm sure myself, like a lot of other people, I'm sure that's what drove them away. Oh, absolutely. Would you you agree with that? You know, the the other thing that, uh, that I've always found appalling. And so I did go back. um, I just had a memory that uh, this year, uh, one of my childhood um, friends in high school, his mother died, and I just happened to be in town. And I went to that funeral. And I I was appalled that her service was used as an invitation to get new membership in their organization or to use as a threat uh, for them to make changes in their lives. I was just like, I don't know how people do this. You know, this is so insulting. It's supposed to be about the woman that has died and her life, and you're using it as a as a sell pitch. And a very manipulative thing when people are very vulnerable. And, you know, my thought was shame on you. And I'm very grateful that that we don't do that in our teaching, in our theology, regardless of how much we believe in our faith, that we don't take advantage of experiences of people's lives, either their death or their ceremonies or their christenings or, you know, their weddings to do our promotion of how great we are. I I find that very just insulting all the way around. So, yeah, as you can see, I did take on the way of my family that my faith is strong, but my faith is in new thought and grounded in new thought and unity um, 
at a unity community and also introducing the the bridge of the science of mind, our cousins, and how closely related we are. And I do feel that we have the teaching that will set humanity free in all the ways that matter. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because um, I was not familiar with the differences between uh, science of mind and which is now called Centers for Spiritual Living and Unity. Um, the the company I was at before uh, Hay House, I worked with Louise Hay, who was a science of mind minister, you know, early earlier on in her career. So, you know, again, I was kind of familiar with it, but I wasn't really sure of, you know, the philosophy or, or what what they practiced. So maybe you could tell people who who might be confused or, or not sure what what those differences are between unity and science of mind, if really they're that different at all. Yeah, well, you know, we've I think we've all kind of lived long enough to realize that at the end of the day, there's, um, there's not a lot of difference, but there, there are differences in sometimes the terminology Unity use the, uses the word prayer. Uh, Science of Mind uses the word spiritual mind treatment, or Unity can use affirmative prayer. And yet, whether it's five steps or seven steps, whether it's a process in which we pray, at the end of the day, we're all praying in the same way, uh, very much a declaration very much affirmative of what we want versus focusing on what we don't want. In other words, if we're, if we have an illness, we're, we're affirming health and well-being. If we have challenges in a relationship, we're declaring this relationship or something better, you know, for a healing or upliftment. So we definitely use that same kind of belief system that there is a power that is greater than we are. It doesn't really matter what you call the power as much as it believes what you as much as it matters what you believe about the power. And so it might be God, it might be creator, it could be divine intelligence, it could be divine mind. There's many different ways in which people refer to it. I do find in new thought what people are are wanting to do is get away from the idea of a gender god. Um, simply because even if it's short-term or long-term, it starts to free a person's belief system that God is not a person. Because when God is a person, we bring God to a level of personality and psychology, feelings and emotions and all those different kind of things, which we, I would say, would find on many levels exceptionally limiting. And so in that way, we walk hand in hand. I've always felt like that was part of my mission is to show people that we are not that different because it's kind of key because um, together we're still just a very small group on the on the planet. You know, it's just a few million people, at least those that are willing to be, quote unquote, out of the closet <laughs> and say, I'm in new thought. Um, but that said... Um, so we also use uh, terminology like in unity, we have licensed unity teachers and in um, a science of mind, they have science of mind practitioners. A practitioner has had years of training and is just one step away from becoming uh, a science of mind minister. So it's the centers for spiritual living, teaching the science of mind. And we all kind of changed our brand 
just kind of together, Science of Mind did it first. They used to be religious science churches, and they changed their names to Centers for Spiritual Living because people understood that better about who they are. And it was very helpful. So then Unity, the leaders in Unity used the same branding company to then move us away from so much promoting that we are a church. Not that we're not happy to be one. We are. But from the marketing, you know, people that are already happy in their church stay in their church. And we often are looking for the unchurched to show them that there's a different way and a different belief system and that that can open up, uh, you know, doors for them. So that's when we started using unity spiritual communities and centers and those kind of things. So I hope that was helpful. Uh, that's kind of it. No, it, that, that's no, kind it of is. the advantage of being around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can see the changes because I think that yeah. was relatively new, right? Where uh, science of mind had been called that for quite some time mm -hmm. and then decided to be called centers for spiritual living. So it really was kind of just a, a, a terminology Factor, absolutely right to, absolutely yeah make yes. things, and it's been uh, very effective it's been very effective for them and it's been very effective to to unity as well well another big difference too that i really love about new thought is taking away the powerlessness that you often feel in traditions that well i have to you know you're often asked well ex accept you know jesus as your personal savior or turn your life over to something else in in a sense you know, giving your giving your power away. Where what I think is so empowering about unity is that you're you're not really asked to consider yourself a, a horrible sinner, and I, oh. I think that's a really powerful message. It's a very powerful message, and it's it's very sad that it's still used in you know 2018 uh, throughout the country to little kids all the time. Of they are you know always an original sin, and they will be and you know, that kind of unworthiness and, you know, that whole languaging and imprinting. And people don't understand it takes years to change that imprint. And it definitely, you know, notes that it it, it scars people um, for a very long time or creates a, a, a certainly a door to the need to go to therapy, you know, to establish that. I, I've always found it unique that people say, and those organizations that, you know, Jesus is the one that saves you. Well, if that's true and you really believe that, then why not adapt the message? Because if you believe something saves you, then, uh, you know, it would be it would behoove anyone to then to exemplify and model, you know, what that conversation is. But, of course, this is a loaded topic. And I, I definitely oh, yeah. am well, we're to gonna, go there more if you want me yeah, to. Yeah, we're going to talk more. You know, no, definitely. I think break. I think this would be helpful. And we'll be right back. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation. Or sign up for monthly contributions. 
Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes, but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. So God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God as loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down there, see you so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Know Yourself as Divine, Stations of the Cosmic Christ. A new book from Matthew Fox and Bishop Mark Andrus introduce a spiritual practice designed to help you realize the divine within. Combining prayer and an interpretation of the Stations of the Cross, featuring beautiful imagery, you will be led on a process of transformation. This book will help you discover the most caring, courageous, and compassionate parts of yourself. Get your copy today at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. Did you know Unity has published a new book by Eric Butterworth? This wonderful writer and teacher, who is loved by so many people, left a recorded class called Practical Metaphysics that has now been turned into a book. It's Vintage Butterworth. He explains how to live from a deeper state of consciousness and awaken to health, love, prosperity, and peace of mind. Practical Metaphysics. Find it online by going to unity.org and click Shop. Create a path to success and prosperity with May McCarthy and Abundance Incorporated every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central on UnityOnlineRadio.org. A co-founder of seven successful companies, an angel investor, best-selling author, and international speaker, May will help you each week with spiritual and practical tools you can use to create a life that you love with greater health, happiness, wealth, and freedom. Join the show live with your questions or listen later on demand right here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everybody. This is not Reverend Temple Hayes. <laughs> I've hijacked her show. I'm Diane Ray, and Temple has invited me to join her on her show today. And when the description for the show uh, was updated, because we had to change it for the website, and I said, well, let's call this show uh, Flip the Script, because we're kind of flipping the script today on Temple's show. And I get to interview her on her show, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. And we've been having a great conversation here about Temple's life and her experience and, and unity principles. So before we went to the break, we were talking about uh, some of the fear-based um, lessons that people are taught in other traditions growing up, 
you know, heaven, hell, you're bad, those kind of things. And I was saying that one of the things that I really loved about the unity tradition was that that part is kind of taken away and that there's no need to declare yourself a sinner, that you're a horrible person and turn yourself over to a higher power to save you in a sense that we only really need to ask God for help, right? And that you know, that's always there. There's nothing we really need to do or, or be. We just have to kind of be accepting and, and comfortable with ourselves rather than believe that we're big sinners. And I just Absolutely. was saying how much it's I really, like, really uh, like that. Uh, it's kind of like internet buying. You don't need a middle person. You can go directly to Amazon and get it done. You know, it's like there's no intermediary. You don't need to go through something else to get to God because you are um, you know, fully made in the image and likeness of God. And, um, and part of the, the beauty of uh, Jesus's teachings was to just teach us how to save ourselves. It wasn't about that he needed to be the, the rock star and be our savior. It was about he taught us that we can save ourselves by understanding how to have an abundant life. And when when people live in unworthiness, um, I don't deserve um, victimhood, you know, those kind of things, um, it would be ideal for something to come along and save them. And that that the way to be saved is to understand that you are really here to live an abundant life. And when you understand how to work with spiritual laws, when you understand how to work with principles that God is, therefore you are, and what are you affirming and what are you seeing and what is your energy saying about your life, then therefore that's what you continue to create and experience all the time. And so that is a, a, an immense misunderstanding of a human presented um, a set of material about saying that people are sinners and they're either going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell. And, you know, it is kind of fascinating that that particular message still comes through all these years later, even though it's been proven that's not true. It's been proven that that's not the way it is, that half the things in the Bible aren't even in there, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it's just so beneficial if people look at their lives and are willing to ask the questions of why is my life this way and how have I participated in it? And is this methodology, is this belief system really working with me because it's always done unto us as we believe? So that's a little premise of that. I mean, even, you know, it, it was fascinating to me, uh, Diane, because all the years growing up, I heard the song Amazing Grace. I played the guitar. I played it at my grandmother's funeral, you know, and I'm saved. And, you know, I was a wretch and, you know, it was wretched life and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, to find out years later, that wasn't even what the song was about. <laughs> you know, it was about a guy that almost had a near-death experience that was a ship captain that was going to live his life just like his dad did and had no idea he could do it differently. And through a ship almost... Uh, you know, wreck, wrecking, he has this epiphany, this awakening that, oh, you know, I want to live my life this way and went on to write one of the greatest songs of all times, but it wasn't to be used as a savior call at the end of a service on Sunday. So anyway, there you go. 
<laughs> That's so interesting. I didn't know that about that song. But it just illustrates the, the point too, how things are kind of twisted and, and misconstrued um, from the Bible. And really, I mean, Jesus never said that, you know, gay people are bad, or that you're going to hell or, or any of those things, right? I mean, nothing, nothing that I could find in any of his teachings. And like you said, he, he actually, one of the things he did say was, these things I do, you can do, right? And that's and like, so, who missed that statement? You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that it shouldn't stop there. You know, if we would say that he was an excellent CEO and leader, you know, that that he was a leader enough and comfortable with himself enough that he wanted other people to outshine him. And that that's a huge thing that can be addressed, you know, and certainly in the new thought movement of leaders that are not secure enough to let other people in their communities and in their churches and in their organizations lead because we keep a system held back that way. And I, I love that about the teachings of Jesus. The other part is what you said, that if, if you really want to believe in that message, then believe in the message because it was about inclusion. It was about diversity. You know, he hung out with all different types of people and um, encouraged other people to do the same. So, And what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, like you were saying, Jesus had, I mean, you know, Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. I mean, he hung out with all, all kinds of people from all walks of life. And it seems now, I mean, we need, we need your message in the New Thought message now more than ever, where we're kind of regressing in this climate of intolerance that's happening, not even just in, in the States, but, but all around the world. And I'm, I'm wondering, what do you think is responsible for that shift? And is this, I mean, I've heard a lot of other spiritual teachers say, one had called it kind of a divine chaos, like we have to go through this to come out the other side. Is there a lesson in what, what we're experiencing? Well, I would, I would agree with that. And, and I guess for me, Diane, um, and I've, I've felt this very strongly, that I teach um, a positive affirmative prayer. You know, I teach what I say is the power of word and it is a law that is working and operating and what I declare has tremendous meaning. And I mean, I go back to understanding the, the shamanic value of people that could change the weather conditions, you know, and this is if we look at the premise of what the Fillmore's taught, what Ernest Holmes spoke about is the the power of what you declare, the presence of the I am, et cetera, et cetera. So if we really believe that all of that is true and we're willing to dedicate our lives to it, we must at the same time realize that that's across the board. So I'm not going to do a Sunday service and talk about I'm so discouraged with the world and my world is just going crazy and it's just getting more horrible. And unfortunately we have leaders that are doing that. Um, and because what am I affirming, you know, and what am I stating about, um, the world that I live in? Because we still don't seem to understand that since the 1800s when Emerson said something paraphrasing, you know, be very mindful and be very concerned about what you buy about the news, you know, because it's probably leading you down a, a different door. And a lot of times when people are talking about the world, 
they don't seem to understand or to use the perspective that it's only what we're talking about is only what we see on um, the subtitles in, in the news or online that does not to its totality express the world at all. Um, do I believe there's climate change issues? Absolutely. Do I believe we need more life rights that people understand we don't need to kill things we don't eat, et cetera. We don't need to kill each other. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it's that, yes, we can have a be a first responder in things that we feel strongly about. But on the other hand, um, I go back to what you started to say in that part of the question is, I believe that there is a greater sense of ourselves that is emerging forward. I, I feel so it all evolving. around me. I see it in my world and community and where I travel to, that there is a greater sense of kindredship, of connection, of um, the willing to be in alliance with other teams and cross-pollinate and look at new ways to do things better. So, yes, is there the appearance of there's some high ten, intense times out there, but we are birthing a new paradigm. So that's what I believe. But and regardless of how I state my reality to be, I'm more inspired than I've ever been. And I think that we don't need to lose that. We need to be more encouraged than we've ever been, more determined and looking for ways to get our message out there, more determined than ever for people to understand really who we are and to be bold and brave and voicey about it in a way that is not, um, you know, demeaning, but yet imperative. Um, because if you, in anything that we do read in the paper, at the end, it could be, and if you're seeking answers, please go to unity.org. <laughs> if you're seeking yes, answers, definitely. please go to, you know, CSL. Um, it, those are where the answers lie. Because I don't know about you, but I have never met a more grounded group of people in my life than I have in the New Thought teachings, which is why I always wind here and, and end up here as this is my tribe. Because it's where the greatest level of, of, of sanity, sanity lies and the least amount of mediocrity lies. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that, that we are evolving to hopefully a, a higher level. And I just wanted to share a little bit of my experience. I went to the Parliament of the World's Religions. I'd never been to that event that just happened um, in November. And it was over 200 different faith traditions represented. And I left feeling so inspired and hopeful because everybody that I talked to all seem to want the same thing. You know, we all want a loving and peaceful world, or, or we say that we do. And nobody there tried to proselytize to me or hate me for whatever I personally believed. Everybody was so welcoming and opening and just sharing that, hey, this is what I do to get closer to God. If you're interested, I'll tell you, you know, but nobody was trying to change my mind or, or push anything. I just I found it's just such a welcoming and beautiful experience that there were all these different ways to get to the same thing. I think I think there's a there's a quote of of some kind that says you know there's many paths up the mountain, mm. um, and that mm -hmm. and, you know and that's and that's what I what I was seeing there, and 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 what I do love so much about what I've learned and discovered about the unity movement is how 
how loving and, and inclusive they are and non-judgmental kind of letting go of that piece that I think doesn't service anymore, you know, going forward in the, in this day and age, you know, that kind of hellfire and damnation type of, of message. Absolutely. It doesn't, doesn't seem to work. So what do you think is going to be the future, you know, moving forward with the new thought movement? Like, what would you like to see coming up, you know, say like five, 10 years from now? I would love us to be the message on the planet, the number one message on the planet. That's what I would like. And because, again, we have we have the principles, we have the history, um, we have the message. And I would like to see us have the largest platforms available to us for us to continue to spread it. I know that's, you know, part of my lifelong commitment is um, with laser focus being very committed to getting this message out on social media, online radio, um, and any way that the message can be heard through audio or visual or in whatever way we can. And I would like to see more leaders uh, step up and um, step out and be more bold and brave with their uh, what they believe. And, and, and many are. But, yeah, I would, I would love to see us be the household name. When people go, well, what is that? Well, you know, I, I'm not really sure. Is that Unitarian? Is that Scientology? Um, I envision the time that that question won't need to be asked because it will be clear. So that would be great. And mm -hmm. because, I mean, when you give a definition of unity, what do you say? Because I always have a hard time trying to define something that, you know, has kind of so many, so many nuances. So sometimes it's hard to pin it down. Like, what would you say if someone says, well, what is unity? I would say that unity was created based upon all of the uncommonness in the, the things in common with all of the fates of the world. And that is God is inherently good and that we are made in the image and likeness of that. And that unity teaches a way of life and a way to utilize that connection with God to live an abundant life an abundant meaning, uh, healthy relationships, creative self-expression, um, uh, ways to enhance and understand that greater connection of you and all of those around you. The unity is really the, the core message that can change anyone's life if they are willing to participate, uh, to let go of old beliefs, and to be a full participant in who they are as a human being expressing these spiritual principles. That's a great explanation. I like that. <laughs> I have to remember because I have a hard time sometimes with what I call the elevator pitch. You know, someone wants to know what unity is in a very succinct way, you know, and you just really explained it so perfectly. And it, it's such a, a beautiful philosophy. So I'm curious, though, you know, we talked a little bit about your, um, you know, Southern Baptist upbringing, like, who were some of your inspirations? Um, when you started on the spiritual path? Like, did you start reading, you know, Catherine Ponder or Emerson? Or, you know, was there anyone that really became a teacher? Um, well, I certainly read Emerson and, and Ponder. And also, I 
really loved Jack Bolin and the mastermind principle. He was very influential in my life. And one of my greatest uh, moments a couple of years ago was that uh, I had been seated because I was speaking there at Renaissance Detroit and they just said, oh, here's where you sit. And so I just sat down and I was looking at other people. And when I got up and I looked back, I was seated in his chair. So that was a, a measurable moment for me, uh, for sure. Um, I I really focus on, um, you know, the, the teachings of uh, King and Gandhi, um, that season of nonviolence that, you know, you were destined for for developing a great foundation in your own life, be the message, be the change, you know, those kind of things. And um, so I, I follow a lot of that teaching and, and just the call to, I mean, to me, every day is about surrendering uh, and deepening uh, more than what I feel I know, but more being open to what I don't know. And um, I've, I've learned to use, you know, in, a, in the form of scripture when it says, may I have the eyes to see and the ears to hear and, and my heart in its openness. What I've come to understand is that's not just five senses. Uh, may I have the spiritual eyes to see, uh, to see connection, to see changes happening, to see beyond what the news is seeing, to see beyond limitations and to open up to greater pathways. And may I hear you know, with, with the wind blowing, may I hear the changes coming and may I welcome them. And so for me, it's, it's the ability to know that I'm on my soul path and, and, and keeping a balance check on my emotional body and my, uh, personality and, and, and be in that space of, of just really surrendering every day to do, to be God's messenger in whatever way that can look like. So I do love heroes and archetypes uh, about heroic changes and those kind of things. But I also want to be sure that I have continued to discover what my message is supposed to be. And I'm not talking about the ego of myself, but that I don't spend so much time quoting the people who have lived that I don't that I miss out on the integration of what the quotes are wanting to be born within me. Does that make sense? Um, So learning from those teachers and and messages, but not relying on them, but making them your own. Well, at the same time, you're, you're shape shifting your own path. Right. Well, I know you're very, open to, you know, different beliefs. I mean, just judging from, you know, the guests that you have on your show. And it seems like we have that in common where you're curious, like, I'm I'm curious about channelers and angels and, you know, people that are mediums or, or have that ability. And a lot of times that's dismissed and kind of, you know, disregarded as, oh, that's just a parlor trick or, or a joke or something like that. And I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think there's something to be Learn I think from, when people, know, people say that comments have that like that, they're just not comfortable with who they are. Um, I, I think that when you're comfortable with who you are, you are consistently exploring. We would not have the unity movement if we were not founded by explorers and, and adventurous spirits. Uh, there wouldn't be the science of mind if Ernest Holmes was not wanting to be open at the top and explore other avenues. So when people make comments about that around me, 
it, it's just to me it expresses a great sense of insecurity. I, I've always said that I love hearing all the years people are in unity, and I love to hear that people love unity. But when I really love to hear that people love unity, it's because they have experienced many things in their life. They have a wealth of things that they have tried or explored, and they still come back and say, but unity is it. You know, look at Maya Angelou. I mean, you know, I love this and I love that. And oh, my gosh. And I've been here and I've studied this and I've written lots of poetry. But at the end of the day, when I look at my core, I love unity. And to me, that's that's what it's all about, because um, when people talk in that kind of language, to me, they're just carrying over the traditional religiosity of being a self-righteous person. You know, I, 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 I do not own the right to say that by my way is the only connection to God. And if people are hearing God and making a connection to universal law through angels or through people that have passed or through mediumship or whatever, I do believe that for me, my understanding of a psychic is that I still feel it's like you talk to a very dear friend and it is opinion. And if you continue to hold that opinion time and time again, then it's still using the spirit of the law and that yes, indeed, you will probably manifest that, you know, but that being said, I think it's wonderful. And I'm glad that you explore those kind of things too. Cause I like to be stretched. I, I want to know more than what I don't know. Always. That's the excitement. I think we hold the foundation of knowing who we are, but it's okay to get on these little tiny branches and look for new innovative ideas and experiences. That's how invention has happened. That's why we have electricity. That's why we have automobiles is because people were willing to go outside of the norm to learn those new things and, um, and expand unity. You know, we don't want to uh, disassociate from people leading the world with these spiritual concepts, we want to cross pollinate with them so that they can see that we are very similar at the end of the day. I think so. I mean, that's one of the things I saw as well at the parliament is how similar that we really are, you know, how many of those messages carry over from all of those traditions, you know, like the golden rule is pretty much applied everywhere. In, in every tradition. But yeah, I'm very, I'm very curious of, of all of those different things. And I, you know, maybe they're angels, maybe not. I mean, I love the idea that there it's a possibility, you know, and, and if you shut mm -hmm. the door, then, you know, what, what does that do? Nothing, you're not getting any new information, you're not opening yourself up to, you know, maybe, maybe having that kind of experience, because I think people can have those kind of deep spiritual experiences. Absolutely. Well, various you know, when means, people introduce you know? themselves to me as an atheist, I go, you know, good for you. And they go, you feel that way? And I said, you know, what I find interesting often with atheists is they spread more information about God and what they don't believe than people that say they love God that, you know, are closeted. So I, I think it's great because more often than not, um, I feel that when people say they don't believe in God, what they're often saying, if people will not shut down, like you're saying, and be open to continue a conversation, what they would discover is what they're saying is they don't believe in the God they were brought up with 
what they would say is they don't believe in a God of separation and that a God that loves some countries for goodness sakes, more than others or people more than others or less than others. And, um, they're, they're very dedicated people, you know, more often than not to nature and the love of humanity and those kind of things. So it is the willingness at the end of the day, I think for us to be comfortable with who we are, what we're expressing and see how we can align with all these other tremendous and huge organizations, um, to, to get our message in the world. I mean, we are still, we're not that old and are being founded in the late 1800s and, there's so much more that can be done. Well, you know, we've only got a minute left. <laughs> it's gone by. It's gone well, we by have so to do fast. This again. Been, That's all. I know. It's been so fun to talk with you and I've I've learned a lot more about unity and I'm, it makes me even happier and and more proud to be involved with such a great organization and to help build up the the Unity Online Radio Network and hopefully continue to spread, you know, more positive and uplifting messages. And is there anything that you wanted to share or do you want to give your website or sure. how, how should I we mean, wrap I up with a bang? hearing from people. <laughs> That's always encouraging. It's uh, templehaze.com is my website. And also the spiritual community is firstunity.org. We have a lot there and various opportunities for you to get involved or get engaged. And we'd love to hear from you. And I just wanted to say how much this has meant to me, Diane, having you. And uh, I just... I really believe in what you're doing and the changes that you're making. And I'm, um, I'm on your team. I'm on your softball team. And I'm grateful to be able to do that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Temple. This has been so fun. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.